Hello, and welcome to the Bookish Banter Podcast, where we'll be sharing our opinions about our favorite books, authors, and bookish impulse buys. Follow along on our journey to finishing and sharing our endless TBR. Go ahead and subscribe, leave us a review, and follow us on our Instagram and TikTok at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Let's get started. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Ugh, I'm great. I have done a lot of impulse shopping this week. I signed up for fairy loots <laughs> wait list. I am having some impulse shopping problems. What about you? I will have to say I'm on the same boat as you. I just bought the, the Lou and Reed fairy loot tarot cards, like the blood and honey deck. And then the two that are in the most recent box, because I have no self-control and I love Lou and Reed. I mean, who doesn't love Lou and Reed? So I bought those. Approximately three minutes prior to recording this episode. Accurate. <laughs> yeah, I got uh, a necklace from Faye's Niche and it's a Raven Boys one. I'm looking at it for like two weeks now. And I was like, you know what? I don't know. Jenna got it from Live a Thousand Lives and she had it on and I was like, it's too pretty to not buy. And I'm putting it in my cart. I have never checked out of Etsy faster. It is so cute. Uh, and then I got a pin from Enchanted Extras and a, and a print from them too. That's Crescent City. So I'm waiting for those to come in. I think I, I ordered a bunch of stuff and I can't remember what I ordered. And it's all going to come in between <laughs> next week and like June. So this is going to be a rough You're just going to get like a bunch of like random packages, which is the best thing ever. Yeah. It's been great. I've spent an obscene amount of money, but I'm not mad about it. That's okay. It's fine. What is it for if you don't spend it on things you like? Bills are paid. The dog is fed and taken care of. So spend the rest Swipe. of my money on books. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously though. Oh, we're doing well. What are we, uh, what are we chatting about this week? So we are chatting about a kingdom of flesh and fire. I loved this book. This is my favorite of the three. So, so far there's three that are out, um, from this series and there'll be six total from what we've been told by the author there should be about six. And then there's a spinoff series coming out in October. And thus far, this one's still my favorite. Uh, I just finished a crown of gilded bones. I liked that one, but I loved this one. I do like her, all of her books end in the cliffhanger. This is not a spoiler, but all of her books end in the cliffhanger and all of them start exactly where the last one left off, which I love that. I don't love cliffhangers unless the book is already out, but I do like that they all ended the same spot and then kind of pick up exactly where they left off. And this one leaves off at quite a dramatic scene where Castile has said to Poppy, we're getting married. And she looks at him like, say what boy? And it's literally, it (laughs) ends with him saying we're getting married. And then the next book begins with her saying, hell no. It's so great. Uh, I love that Poppy, we talked about this kind of in the last one where we kind of wish that maybe she had been a little more hesitant to, I don't know, sleep with her kidnapper, (laughs) right? But after she found out who he truly was, but it was a very interesting transition. But I also do like that she's like, uh, no, like we're not getting married. What what are you talking about? No. I like that she wasn't just like, we're going to talk about this later. You know what I mean? In front of everybody, she's like, no, (laughs) absolutely not. Yeah, I did like that about her character throughout this whole book. Basically, I feel like she did have a lot of internal monologues saying, you know, like, this is wrong. I'm not sure I like this guy. I don't really know what's going on. I have like feelings for him, but I know what he did is wrong. So I do appreciate that, you know, she did have that conversation with herself. I think in this one, it went on a little too long. I think her feelings for him developed and that got a little monotonous. Like towards the middle, I was like, okay, we get it, Poppy. You think he did a bad thing. Moving on. We get it. You're pretending. We get it. Yeah, yeah. We're all pretending. Uh, (laughs) I just wish she would have moved on a little bit quicker from that. 
but I do like that she, yeah, she stood up to him straight away and was like, excuse me, what? And, you know, then we get to the epic part where Castile is telling all of his Atlanteans and everybody else that they're going to get married. They're going to saunter on over to Atlantia. And some guy stands up and says, Poppy sucks. And Castile rips his heart out just like that. This is a man we can uh, get he, behind. <laughs> he is the, I will tear down the world if you touch her. It's just like what he said about her, you know, that she's, he called her ugly, you know, she's scarred up and she's said some pretty terrible things and I think the things that he said and that was something like as soon as he said something about her face and her scars that was the moment that Castile was like "Mm -mm, no 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 like it's a valid he he says he's like it's a valid point for you to to say yes she was raised with the ascended yes she's a maiden how are we supposed to trust her like these very valid points but when he starts attacking how she looks and the fact that she's scarred and um not quote-unquote perfect then he's like, uh, no, he's like, I would have left it alone at that. Yeah. I liked this part because it really shows how like strong Castile is. I feel like you've seen him, you know, move quick. He's killed a couple of the ascended and that kind of stuff, but this really showed where his power was and how much he embraced like being a prince. And that was so savage. That is, that is the morally gray man that we like, uh, you know, and then this was one thing that did kind of irritate me throughout the book was that the, the, the ever present theme of we don't like Poppy and we don't trust Poppy got a little repetitive. And it was so apparent in the beginning of this book. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> why can't we all just love Poppy? Poppy's the best. But I kind of get where they were coming from. That's <laughs> just me like being whiny about it. But, you know, we kind of get further into this and she's exploring the town of New Haven and trying to figure out what's going on. And this is her first big conversation with Alistair, who is shady as hell. He reminds me of Scar from The Lion King, where he's like, an elephant graveyard is nowhere for a young prince. Oops, shouldn't have said that. That's how I feel like his dialogue is. He was really deeply in love at one point in time. And it was my daughter who he was in love with. And they were going to get married. And then he keeps talking about his brother and all these things. And it's like very personal things that she obviously could feel there was like a deep hurt and deep pain. And so she's assuming that this deep hurt and deep pain is coming from Shay, who is his first love or whatnot. And she is hurt but she doesn't want to be hurt by it because then that means she actually has feelings for him. She has this constant internal battle about Shay and who this person was and what she meant to him and why it matters to her. Yeah. I, Alistair creeps me out. I've read Crown of Gilded Bones, so uh, I'm not going to spoil anything for them, but (laughs) he's not my favorite. He does remind me of Scar. That is such a good reference. He's just one of those kind of creepy, like older advisor guys that is very stuck in his ways and has like a lot of opinions about things and she set him up as a really good character. I don't like that he brought up Shay. I don't like the idea of Shay as a whole. I don't like the lost love, the tragic backstory of like a lost love that died or what have you. I I don't like that. That's like my least favorite tragic backstory is like the love of my life that died and there was nothing I could do about it. I hate that. And I hate that that's like a whole part of Castile's persona. Thoughts? I mean, it kind of is, you know, when you find out about Shay, you're like, oh, it is that like first love, that lost love. Like, how does he feel about Poppy? You know what I mean? And so for me, that was kind of like, huh. And then when we find out what happened to Shay, I was like, oh, okay. That was pointless. Yeah, I, I thought it was- Maybe that's what bothers me, that it's kind of pointless. He feels all these feelings and they talk about it so much. And it's like, those feelings aren't real though. Like the feelings that she's feeling from him and his resentment and all this stuff. What Shay does is is shitty. The way that- What Shay does is un- like unexcusable. <laughs> I like I- Dive so into that. we Let's dive into that. So basically we find out in the beginning and we she talks about it in the beginning of the book. So 
Castile talks to Poppy because Poppy had a nightmare. So Poppy has nightmares about the night that her parents were killed. There's this moment where she wakes up from this nightmare and she tells him about it and she, she tells him about it. And then he tells her about what he experienced at the hands of the Ascended. So him and his brother were caught. He's going through this torture, doesn't know if he's sane, insane. You know, he doesn't know who's coming, how long he's been there. His brother and Shay show up and turns out Shay had been captured while they were searching for Castile. And she made a deal with the Ascended saying, I will deliver both princes to you. You'll have two pure Atlanteans from this strong bloodline that will create all these Ascended for you and you can continue to torture them. Just let me go. So Castile finds out that happens. Malik gets captured and Shay's like, no, we need to go. Like, we can't stay. He can take care of himself. We're here to get you out. So they're going and then they get stopped by an Ascended and she basically throws him at them and is like, take him as long as I can go take him. And then Castile loses his mind and murders her. He's like, you wicked bitch. So that's where all this pain and resentment comes from is the fact that she had betrayed him like that. She was supposed to be someone she wasn't. And he doesn't talk about her because it makes it it makes him angry because that's how his brother got captured. And that's why his brother is in the situation he is in now. Yeah, I don't I don't like that they set this up. I guess it makes sense, but I didn't like that they set it up as like she died as a war hero, kind of saving them. I felt like that was a little unnecessary, but I guess not. I don't know. I have so many thoughts about this book and I just I don't even know what to say. It's it. I get it, but I also I also was like, eh, she's kind of a pointless character. Like, I feel that's like she put her in there yeah. for that reason of like, this is how his brother got caught. I think that's why yeah. she was in there. But I didn't like the fact that it was like this whole book. We're wondering is he actually pining after her or what's right. the whole story? Yeah, we just spent like four hundred fifty pages wondering if he still loves her and you know like what happened to her and was this something that is always going to kind of be a part of him and it made all of his professions of love in this one and in from blood and ash feel a little ungenuine until you hear the story you're like wait but you had like a tragic love and are you ever going to get over her and they say kind of the same thing about kieran you know like something happened to his tragic love and he always seems sort of jaded and that kind of thing and granted he doesn't have a love interest in this one at all but you can kind of see it in his personality and i don't know i just i agree she felt like kind of a useless character and until you find out about this it was just kind of like does he really like her as much as he claims he does and you know, why did he change his plan so quickly and all that? But I don't like Alistair. Yeah. He creeps me out. He's creepy. I don't like him. I kind of another side note on Shay is just like, I thought, yes, I thought she was necessary with, you know, the backstory with Malik, but I don't think she needed to put as much emphasis on Shay as she did. You yeah, know what I, I mean? I understand Poppy and why is this, but I don't think she should have put as much. There are other themes that she could have kind of dug more into and other ideas and characters that I think I would have liked to know more about yeah. um, than Shay. Yeah, I don't know. I go between remembering that this book is about, you know, Poppy and Castile, and then also remembering that both of their brothers are like kidnapped in the capital. Sometimes I would forget that like Ian and Malik existed. And then they'd be like, we're here for Malik. Same. That's what we're doing. We're like going to go find them and, and save them from the ascendant. I'm like, who? what? Oh yeah. I don't know. I found myself doing that a lot. And then her being like, I need to stay with him because I'm going after my brother. And I was like, she's a brother. I don't know. I just like forgot that those people existed. So that was kind of odd to me. I feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect. And then, yeah, that story was yeah. just like so epic. And you were like, oh, okay. So not only did the love of his life, like betray him, but then his brother got kidnapped and then he got freed. And then he killed 
this is a lot. It was like a heavy hand to unload very early on. It was real quick. It was yeah. all just like, boom. Like you're like, okay, who is Shay? We kind of forget about Malik. Yeah. What's going on? And then all of a sudden it's like, it's like Shay, Malik, Castile. She dies. He gets kidnapped. He gets freed. Like, it's just like, da, 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 da. you're like, okay. All right. Let's take a moment to digest this. Overload. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, Shay, I would say Shay's probably one of the only characters that I was kind of like, man, what's the point of this person throughout? But everyone else, I really like. Even some of the little side characters. Yeah, she does a really good job of building these side character relations with the main characters and kind of giving them different personalities so you remember who they are and that kind of stuff. Kieran's probably my favorite in this one. Uh, I liked Poppy in the last one, but I think you see a lot more of Kieran, Kieran, Kieran in this one. And I really liked that. And I love his character. I love the sassy, sarcastic side character who is just very uninterested in love and has nothing but sass to give. His one-liners are just so so great I really liked him as a character and I loved how she developed him as a character and pulling them into not just Kieran but the Wolven as being Mm -hmm. a very important part of the story throughout building that up I loved that I loved how she built the Wolven up and you can tell that she's a well-versed author that she has a lot of experience because the banter between them it feels so natural and it's really hard to write sarcasm I think and she does such a good job of this so I I agree. All his interactions were funny and his character was kind of something we don't read a lot, which I really liked. Yeah. I really like him mostly because obviously he's funny and he's a great side character, but also he's very no BS. He calls her on everything. She'll ask him and he's like, do you want me to tell you the truth? And she's like, well, yeah. And he will just let her have it. And he's like, this is what's going on. This is how he feels. This is what he's feeling. And either you leave and leave him alone or you stay and actually stay. I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you. I'm not going to make you feel comfortable. I, I'm going to tell it to you straight because, well, he's bonded to Castile. So right. we love a fiercely loyal best friend. We love that. I love it. And I, I just, I love how he's so in tune with Castile and how he feels and knowing that he doesn't cross that line. I don't think with Poppy of giving too much information. He's also like, this is a conversation you need to have with him or you need to get your head on straight. He's such a great character in that aspect of just like grounding Poppy. Yeah. And I think there's sometimes where Castile gets a little mushy and like some of his lines are a little cheesy and you can tell that he's kind of got like rose colored glasses with Poppy. And it was, it was refreshing to read a character that wasn't just swooning over the main character and really did. Yeah. Keep her in check. I liked him a lot. And I thought that was so well written and their relationship only progresses as the series goes on. And I really appreciate that. And I I love a good loyal side character. That's my favorite (laughs) persona or like, that's my favorite type of character to read. I'm a big like Simon Lewis fan. I don't have any other ones, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, he constantly pushes her. I I just, I just love the development of Kieran. Like I can talk all day about Kieran. He's constantly forcing her out of her comfort zone. And like making her have the hard conversations. Also just being funny when she's like sitting there talking after they get attacked by the by the the dead bones clan. And she's like standing there talking to Castile. And then she like turns around and she's like, you're naked. He's like, yeah, turned into a wolf. Like what? He's like, yeah, the last time you had pants on him. He's like, yeah, I'm naked, whatever. And she's like, put clothes on. Like she's like scandalizing. He's like, it's just skin. I don't understand. And she's like, I didn't just see skin. I saw everything. (laughs) It was just like, it was such a funny, just embarrassing scene because Castile's like living for it. He thinks it's hilarious and everyone else thinks it's hilarious and she's just scandalized. And it's such a normal thing for them. 
I thought that was like a funny interaction and he just he teases her relentlessly and it's amazing she's like I have a question and he's like I'm not surprised why am I not surprised and he does that throughout it's even in the next book he does it a lot too I think it's so funny but yeah I think these moments too where he doesn't really realize that Poppy grew up so sheltered and didn't have interactions with people didn't you know see this kind of thing and, and is so like scandalized and he's like don't care literally don't care I'm still gonna do whatever I want until you, you know, like get your life together. But now we kind of get to, now that we've talked about all of our favorite characters, she kind of has that chat with Alistair and we get to our first big battle scene. I think there's probably like three, I would say like three big epic battle scenes in this one. And this one is intense. I was not anticipating it going this way. And I was shocked if we're being honest, you know, the Ascended show up and they're like, we know you have the maiden, what's going on? Where's like the Lord of this town new haven uh you know why is there no ascended around what's going on we're coming here to like find the maiden we heard that you guys were attacked or something on the way and then it goes real dark real quick this is sort of like this is the crack that sort of shatters everything that poppy believes in and is that first semblance of truth to what castile and the wolven have been saying and i no, you just you really see what the ascended are Like, this is the first time that you actually, you know, you've got the inklings throughout, like in the first book, they're talking about the third borns get sent to the temples to quote unquote, serve the gods, when actually the ascended are just eating the babies. And it's so sad. And it's just so, it's so terrible. And then you you hear these things. But this is the first moment that you actually see the like depravity and the like cruelty of the ascended. Yeah. And I liked where Poppy didn't really know what was going on. She was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to believe them or not. And then they go to attack the kids and she kills him. I forgot his name, but she goes and kills him. And it's like, this just shows how pure Poppy is as a person. And like how even living this unsocialized life with a bunch of horrible people who had no emotions and things like that, that she was still able to keep her, you know, purity of character and purity of self and was going to defend those who couldn't help themselves. And I really liked that part. I thought it was really, it was so intense and I didn't anticipate it going that way, but it was really well played out. I think. Yeah, I was expecting it to be, I was like, oh, Lord Cheney took her and kidnapped her. And then I was like, okay, this is going to be the rest of the book. They're going to like torture her. And then it's going to be Castile trying to rescue her. Nope. It was like two pages later, Castile like busts in and it saves the day. It's so sad though, you know, cause she gets bitten. Yeah. And she's like defend this, herself again. Yeah. And- it's terrible. And and then you, you know, Castile's like freaking out because obviously she got kidnapped and she's like covered in blood. And it's, these scenes are ugh. written so well too, because you can feel the fear in the kids. You can feel the fear in her when she gets kidnapped and all the other people in the village and the wolven step up and uh, the, all the other Atlanteans come and like attack. But you can really feel the fear in her when she's getting kidnapped and like fighting him off. And yeah, that scene is so good. And then we kind of get these inklings that Castile is telling the truth and she starts to have that, well, do I like him? Do I not like him? We're going to pretend. And I liked that they had a lot of conversations about this kind of stuff. They said, we are going to pretend and it's just pretend. And obviously they're lying to themselves. We love the fake dating trope, but. Oh, they are lying through their teeth. <laughs> they're head over heels for each. He's obviously head over heels for her, but he's doing it to appease her to make her feel more comfortable now. But like, she's just having a hard time dealing with it. He's straight up just like, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to make, he wouldn't have married her if it if he didn't actually love her you know what I mean whereas and he says that he's like there's no loveless marriages in Atlantia like that's not a thing and so the fact that he actually was like 
I'm marrying her. You're like, oh yeah, he totally loves her. But he doesn't say it because she's, for obvious reasons, not on board with this. (laughs) Yeah, and that's so fair. But I do like that they have a couple, there's like a handful of these nice conversations where you know, he says, we're doing whatever you want. I'm here for you. I know it's going to take you time because your entire world has just been shattered. And I thought that the, that shows like Castile's compassion and makes him an amazing character. And I just loved him. And I loved that, you know, he comes looking for her straight away and she starts to chip away at that armor of whether or not I love him and care about him, or am I just doing this to like get to my brother and who can I trust? And I, I still like that. I mean, he's a piece of the shattering, by lying to her in the first book, but I like that he does everything he can to kind of build that relationship back up and, you know, understands that his trust has been broken and he's going to have to really work hard for that uh, to kind of build it back up. They get back. She gives her his blood and she recovers. And then she goes to basically ease the pain of those that have been hurt in this ascended raid the night before. And so she, you know, goes into this, the infirmary and she's walks up to them and is at least relieving some of their pain to like help with the healing process and you know that that they don't trust her and they don't like her but this is really the first moment where she's like she's like I like helped people but it was also like they were a little scared and I was a little scared because I didn't know how they'd feel but then also she's like then you could feel just like blind hatred and just like distrust yeah and this scene is wild because it's like 50 50 half people accept her help and the other half don't and that really hurts her feelings and you're not really sure what she is at this point too right we know she's kind of half atlantean and the theory is that she's a siphon line and the siphons were thought of as evil right like they took people's emotions and turned it back on them and so she's kind of hesitant to do all of this stuff and i don't know i wasn't sure how i felt about the progression of all of this it's like why they pick her as the maid in the first place okay she's obviously special. Oh, she's half Atlantean. Oh, she might be more than that. Oh, she's this, you know? So her hints at what her inklings of power are and who she is. I was a bit confused for most of this book about how this is going to turn out. And this was one of those scenes where I was like, I don't understand how Castile doesn't have any like powers and he's supposedly such a powerful bloodline, but Poppy who would be like half Atlantean can siphon people's pain and, you know, like relieve emotions and stuff. And they, they kept, they kept talking about, well, maybe you're a second generation. And I'm like, but then they keep, then they, they also go back and forth and saying, oh, well, second generation is usually not very powerful. They talk about how her power is gradually increasing and she's able to feel more emotions. She's able to not just feel fear or anger or whatever. Now she's able to feel pain. She's or not just pain. I'm sorry. Um, she used to only feel pain, but now she can feel like fear and confusion and happiness and all these things. And Um, you know, she talks about how her power is growing and she's able to more quickly make someone more comfortable now. And it's not, you know, she doesn't have to focus on a specific memory. It just comes, you know, it's easier. And so it's getting easier for her. And so I'm like, I don't think she's, I don't, I don't. And there's just, that's one thing that there was, it was just a lot of like weird ways to go. And you were like, it was very confusing. And I understand she didn't want to make it easy for everyone to figure out like what she was, but it was also like, okay, this is getting, we we need some sort of inkling of where we're going to go with this. Yeah. I felt like in the first one, you find out the Ascended are this, the Atlanteans are this. And then in the second one, it's like, well, this Atlantean's this, and this Atlantean's that, and then there's this one, and then there's that one. And so that for me is like, I felt like I needed a flow chart for all of these. I was like, who's what, and what's going on, and how does this work, and who came from where, and what does this mean? And I was so confused. I was like, somebody give me a flip chart, because I don't have a clue what's going on. What is happening? It didn't, it just didn't make a lot of sense. And then it was like, 
well, if Castile's first generation or like from a really powerful bloodline, what is his power? Oh, nothing. But that's like a different, I don't know, just tip for the future. I feel like we get through this entire book and I still have less of a clue who she is. Like, I still don't understand (laughs) even knowing like what they say at the very end. It still doesn't make sense to me how all of this happened. And I read Crown of Gilded Bonds and it still doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) But I kind of got to the end and it's still, I still don't understand who she is and what she is. But this part is interesting because I feel like it's one of those other Easter egg scenes where she's kind of showing that, Poppy is really powerful and, you know, some questions are going to come up later on who she is and what she can do and, you know, like tuck that in the back of your mind. And I also felt it was very interesting that they were on top of being raised with the ascended, being the maiden, being quote unquote chosen. They also make her come from, or they claim that she comes from this line that they refer to as soul eaters. Like you couldn't give her any sort of like no, no, you had to make her, you had to make that also difficult for her. Like, no, right. you're not going to throw her a bum. You're going to make Definitely her a soul not. eater too. That's yes. cool. All right. Whatever. Yeah, kind of We're going to make more people like, hate her. Yeah. I felt that was like kind of awkward. I was like, what's going on here? Like the siphons are like these evil line. And I was like, well, this is going to go really well. <laughs> this is just going to keep getting better and better. I mean, love that. And then we go back into the rat forest. <laughs> they leave New Haven and they're on their way to Atlantia. They're going through the forest and they're trying to, they're almost to Atlantia and they run into the Dead Bones clan, which are, oh, it's <laughs> eh, so cringy. It some, like the hills have eyes vibes. Yes. I was like, like, like they, he's like, yeah, they're basically just crazy woodland people who eat humans and wear their skin. I don't like this. And she's talking about fighting them. And she's like, he had this mask of, it's not leather, it's skin. And I was just like, oh, this is not okay. This is not okay. (laughs) Yeah, that was a weird, it was interesting. I haven't read about cannibalistic like clans lately. So it was interesting, but I was kind of like, it was gross. I love Poppy. She's so good. She's so savage. She kills them all. And Castile and Kieran, Kieran, all of them. And it's, I love these scenes with the wolven where they get to be wolven and like come yeah. out and like attack and, oh, so good. I think those are, those are so well written and just shows like the power of the Atlanteans. And Hawk is like, he gets shot with a couple arrows and she's like freaking out. And he's like, no, I'm just pissed off. You're actually seeing the, the other side of, you're seeing the Castile to the Hawk, basically. Yeah. They're like, you know, you're true. Yeah. And he's just, you see his power and he's not hiding it anymore. And it's also very shocking for Poppy too, because she's, she hasn't seen that either. And she's like thrust into this world of craziness. I will say though, on that note, Castiel did give her the option. He's like, you know, I'm not going to use you to get my brother back. No matter if you don't want to marry me or not, like you don't have to marry me. If you want to leave now, you you're free to go. Like, I'm not going to keep you this is your choice. Do you want to stay with me? And she basically makes a deal with him. She's like, yeah, we're going to, I'll stay with you. We'll get married. We'll get my brother and your brother back. And then, you know, that's what we're going to do. And so, and I really liked that there were moments where she could have left and she was like, no, I'm, I'm staying. I, I really liked that throughout. And I like that she, I like that there were so many references to Ian because I forgot who he was for like a while there. So it was nice that she kept coming back to that. Although after a while it got a little annoying. I was like, okay, we get it. You love Ian. But I did like that. I like that there was a lot of conversations, their communication, the communication in the first one was piss poor. 
And this one, it was really good. And I like that because you don't get that in a lot of fantasy books where where they have these conversations and he's going to say, this is what I'm feeling. And she says, this is what I'm feeling. And I liked that. And it's throughout the whole thing. And he always checks on her, you know, the end of this, I like that she can kind of hold her own too. Cause they get done with the fight and he's like, how many did you kill? And she's like, Oh, 10. And he's like, how many did I kill? Oh, nine, you know, or whatever it was. I can't remember, but I also, I thought it was hilarious too, that she like killed the one guy and he like lands on her. Another Lord of the Rings reference, you know, when Gimli kills the, the, the wolf and he like lands on him and he's like, huh, he's like trying to lift him. And another orc comes up and he like kills that, you know, whatever. And there's like a pile of things on him. That's how I felt with, with Poppy when the guy like falls on her and he's like trying to shove him off and no one helps her. They just like wait for her to get the guy off of her. And then he's there like, how you doing down there? And she, they just, they respect her so much. I know you can take care of yourself. I'm not going to handle you with kid gloves. You're going to, you're going to stab me if I do. And I loved that. She's such a good heroine. You know, she's such a good female character. And I I just love her vibes and I like their conversations and how much communication they have. And he really checks in with her. Are you okay? Did you get hurt? How are you feeling? You know, what's going on? And I like that they have these conversations, even at the beginning, she's like, I've never ridden a horse before. And he's like, hop on, I'll touch your hips and I'll teach you (laughs) it. this book side note. I don't know if this is the time to say it, but when I first read this many moons ago, I started to notice as I got about like halfway through, she says the word hips a lot. And it's not in reference to sexual things. It's like she hopped up on the horse and I touched her hips. We were riding for a while and my hips were swaying or I walked into the water and it like went up to my hips. I love her writing. I love JLA, like no mess there, but it was just so funny because I marked it. And there's probably like 40 tabs from like midway through on of her saying the word hips. And some of them are in like a sexual reference, like a smutty scene, but there are quite a few that are just like, he leaned against the wall at his hip level. And I was like, okay. And so I like, back to what I was saying, I do like that he has, that they have real conversations and it doesn't feel forced and it doesn't feel like page filling when they're talking about that kind of stuff. I don't know how to ride a horse and they have to ride together. And, you know, she sort of has these moments where she's like, I do love him. Maybe I don't, maybe I do, maybe I don't. And he makes her feel comfortable. And, you know, she feels things that she's never felt when she was the maiden and this really develops their story and makes it believable, I think. I definitely agree. You know, they end up getting through the forest. They get to Spess's end, which is also another moment where Poppy is confronted with the cruelty and the brutality of the Ascendant. You know, they go through this, they go through Pompeii and there's just a mass graveyard. And it was, it was a very sad moment. You know, she's realizing what's going on and she's like, they killed everyone. And when they were talking about that, I was like, oh, my heart. Oh, that's so sad. But it was also very just, you're seeing more into why Castile and the Atlanteans hate the Ascended so much. Yeah. And I like that after this, you know, she goes through Pompeii and sees all these horrible things and realizes that Castile, this is more of that, realizing Castile and and Kieran were right. And what the Atlanteans are evil. And then she gets to Spess's end and it's like, this beautiful, thriving community. And they even say it, this is not all that Atlantia has to offer. This is a a brand new community. We're still building this up and we don't have the resources that we have, you know, in Atlantia. And she's like, but it's beautiful here. You know, they have electricity and there's some very like modern aspects to this, the running water and electricity. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, okay. In my mind, it's like this medieval moment, but also not. Yeah. Also, all fantasy to me is written as like medieval. Like it's all written in yeah. somewhere in the 1700s. Yeah. And I have a hard time. I just let that go out of my brain that there's electricity. I just forget about it because in my head, everything else is written very archaic. Like 
This is all written yeah. the 1700s. Yeah, I just let that one go. That felt really modern, but it's so cool to how they describe this as like this community they're trying to build because they don't have enough room in Atlantia and they're really trying to build something from nothing. And she's just like, but this place is beautiful. It's spread out. There's so much room. Everybody's happy. The crown that like runs this place is so far away and they're not oppressing them from our hundreds of miles away or what have you. And they I have mean, gardens. Yeah, it was so Which, well set up. It's just oh, beautiful. So. In my head, it was beautiful. Yeah, in my same. head, it's also written in Italy, apparently. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, same, I agree. Like, it's this moment where she's like, everything's spread out and beautiful and people seem happy and there are gardens and people, you know, eating fresh fruits and vegetables. And you don't see that in a, a quote-unquote built-up city like Macedonia or the capital. And, like, there's people who, you know, the oppre- you know, there's, there's the really rich and the really poor and there's no in-between that's what she's always known so to see all these people working together from different you know the prince being down there and helping and building and fighting with the men and being a part of that where that's not something that she had seen with the ascended and so she's really coming around to like and they're a thriving community right you know and everybody seems happy and participates and contributes and she's like this is what I thought me being the maiden was going to do for this, for Macedonia and for the community. And I thought that I was going to be able to be the one to make those changes and to see them in real life was really interesting. And I think her reaction to it is amazing. And that's another thing that kind of sets them on the path of maybe she does love Castile and she can love, you know, learn to love Atlantia and where she came from as a half Atlantean big air quotes. And then we get to meet Karen's sister. And she's another fierce female character. I love her. She's so funny. She doesn't show up a lot in this book and she doesn't show up a lot in the series as a whole, I don't think. Um, But I liked her and I liked that she kind of took on this Duchess-esque role, but does it in such a caring, casual way and then becomes this older sister to Poppy instantly. And and she has that conversation with herself where she's like, was I ever friends with Tawny? Because I feel more friends to this girl who's like helping me plan my wedding and, you know, giving me her clothes off her back, basically, yeah. than I ever did to Tawny. And that was so wonderfully played out. And I just, I loved her character. Yeah. She's great. I love her. She instantly feels comfortable. It reminds me of this. Karen is cooking and Netta's just hanging out, talking to Castile and, you know, giving him crap and whatever. And Castile's just enjoying it. He's got his arm back, like around the couch. And they're just hanging out and enjoying it and just being there in the moment and it's a very natural scene and a very casual homey scene um but it's also a very important scene for poppy because she's realizing like these people are just they're just normal people and they're you know they're just trying to make a life for themselves and they're happy and they just want to be happy i love that scene when they first met yeah i think that was so well played out and it is really pivotal to her and her being like, this is what I wanted for Macedonia and for all the people that I knew and, you know, for the people in the capital. And that's what I hope to bring with my ascension was changing the rules between the class systems and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I thought that was really good. It was really well played out. And they sort of start planning the wedding, right? All of that and how that's going to go. When they're in the forest, there's a moment when during the fight where an arrow cuts her arm. And so she's trying to fix her arm, bandage herself up. And usually Castile would be the one to do that. He's very standoffish. She's really confused. She's like, what is going on here? Did I say something? Did I do something? Like, it was just a very weird moment. And so then later I was on, gonna say, this felt to me like that first episode of Vampire Diaries where yeah. I was like in the graveyard and she falls and Stefan like shows up and he's like, he's like, oh, <laughs> you're bleeding. And she's like, oh, I am. And then she turns and he's like gone. 
that's all I could think about when I was reading the scene. I was like, oh God. Uh, anywho. Uh, the references in this episode are amazing. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, so many you wonderful references. You get to see who we are as people. Based on our references. <laughs> who we are as people. And that's why you guys love us. But anyways. Um, <laughs> so there's this weird moment. She kind of puts it out of her mind. Like she just kind of brushes it off. Like, okay, whatever. And then she's, you know, in their, in their room and she's like sleeping. Cassiel comes in in the middle of the night and they're just laying there and she's, they're like tangled up basically this kind of awkward moment. And she's like, I really am enjoying this, but I also don't want to enjoy this. And she literally has this battle with herself for a couple pages. She's like, I'm staring at him. She's talking about wanting to move. And, and then she starts staring at him and she's like, he's so beautiful. Like everything about him is perfect he's peaceful and sleep. And she's like, why, why he wanted, wanted me or how he could, when there were others with equally smooth, straight lines didn't matter. What did was the fact that I was staring at him while he slept. And that was borderline creepy. And I was like, yeah, that was a little creepy. <laughs> and so she's like talking about that. And then she decides to move. And so she moves and just trying to like get out from under his arm or whatever. And he goes a little crazy and pins her to the freaking bed and is just literally going to eat her not in a good way and she's like uh Castile are you okay and it's this very tense these like tense moments of is he gonna kill her is like I was like is he gonna hurt her he better not hurt her like I would be really upset if he hurts her because it's like there's really strong feelings about this yeah it's like you 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 put her through all this I, I love Poppy and so you're gonna put her through all this stuff you already have everyone who hates her so and then you're gonna make Castile hurt her again I was just hoping I was like please don't hurt her like please don't hurt her and he doesn't he it's the exact opposite of that and so she's like screaming you know out of joy and um and then Kieran barges through the door and he's like I heard you scream obviously I misread the situation and he's just like okay and then he realizes what's going on and Castile hasn't fed and he's wanting to like feed on blood you know and basically it's like this weird territorial moment and it was and then she you know does her whole like emotion siphon thing and brings Cassio back and then he's very ashamed of himself which um he was like I'm so sorry and then he just like makes himself scarce for the rest of the day which I was like oh that's so sad like he's just he doesn't want to hurt her and he just like it uh, it was just it was very sad the scene was set up kind of weird. Like I'm all for a good smut scene, but I was kind of confused about how they were going to play this out. And then I don't know, it didn't, I understand where it came from, but the Kieran thing was just kind of weird to me. I was like, so are we going to have to pick between like, whether we like Castile or Kieran? I don't know. I was like, "Mm, is he going to die? That'd be like really quick. Mm, I don't know. I didn't like that. But yeah, this was a good scene. And this, this is like the end of a chapter too. Mm -hmm. And I think I remember like being like, okay, I'm gonna reach the end of this chapter and then putting it down and being like, oh man, damn it. What happens next? But yeah, that, I thought that scene was set up a little bit strange, but this is a good spicy scene. It was a good, it's just a bit strange. I was like, okay. And yeah, it was a little strange. And I think there was a, something that I think was, I mean, I guess you wouldn't know he had to feed in the first yeah. book because most of the first book he's not with. Like, Kieran doesn't show up until the end of But he doesn't feed the from first him. Book. He, eats yeah. up, he has to eat another... This is he where the to... rules come into play that I'm a yeah, bit confused the about. the chart that you need. He has to feed off an Atlantean. So, and she is presumably half Atlantean, so he can, quote unquote, feed off of her. And he goes to leave. 
And then her and Kieran have this conversation and he's like, if this is another one of his conversations where he's like, open your eyes, he cares about you. An Atlantean has to feed off of another Atlantean, but if they are, you know, if they have a mate or a partner or whomever that they're in love with, they don't feed off of anyone but their partner. And so he's hasn't done that because it repulses him. He doesn't want to do that because it's quote unquote, almost like cheating is kind of like what it is equal to. And so she's like shocked and confused at this because she's like I I think you're wrong and he brings up this you know mention of heartmates and he thinks that they're heartmates and this whole thing and so she's like kind of in a like a confused whirlwind there's a lot of information that came at her I mean same I was like this is a lot of information (laughs) um and she's like having to deal with okay maybe he does but does he love me like do I love him do I let him drink my blood like (laughs) do I it was a very it was a very weird moment again vampires so you have to that is one thing I was yeah yeah I was just gonna say I feel like sometimes I forget that he was like a vampire and then they have those conversations and I'm like oh right it just feels kind of he's he's Atlantean he's not a vampire but that's what it's very it's very vampy yeah that's what confused me I'm like ew does he have to like drink blood there's a lot of references to that throughout the rest yeah. of this book about like drinking each other's blood and all that. And I don't know. I did not love that scene. Yeah. There was a lot of other much better smutty scenes, like the one in the cave. That was a nice yes. one. That was so That's well a good written. Scene. That was that was so great. And it was this is all um, just fake. We're just lying to ourselves. Ugh. We're just stripping yeah. down in a cave. No big deal nothing hot serious it's fine <laughs> like we're pretending but you know that's the best trope that's no basically strings attached. what that moment was yeah mm-hmm. yeah but they obviously love each other but it's fine um which I felt after a little while I was like okay yeah when are we gonna get to the point where they say okay this isn't fake anymore this is real that was about like, where I was ready for that I was like okay mm, all right when she like siphoned his feelings away and then she felt so uncomfortable the rest of the day and was like you know feeling really awkward about it that was when I was like okay I'm done now you, you have to realize that you yeah. have feelings for him too. And like, you're ready to move on and you've forgiven him, but it doesn't, yeah, it yeah. keeps on keeping on for like another 300 pages of her debating. Uh, and then we kind of get to the wedding scene, which I liked the wedding scene so much. I think it was so cute. Like you get to finally meet Kieran's dad and you know, they're standing on the edge of a river or they're standing on the edge of a lake and the thunder clouds roll in and it's blessed by the gods and she looks beautiful and tear rolling down Castile's eye very like 27 dresses style Ugh, it was good yeah. stuff it was great and then also <laughs> we have another one of those great conversations that we were talking about earlier where they talk about what they are like what they are to each other and what they mean to each other you know there's this impending kind of doom situation coming on with the ascended they're arriving you know Delano gets attacked and they, basically the sky is on fire the Ascended are just lighting everything on fire, destroying and pillaging everything on the way. And Delano escapes, gets back and warns them and tells them, hey, like they're on their way. And they're they're basically preparing for battle, but then they're also preparing for a wedding. It was, that was a little weird to me. I was like, mm. the night before he talks about, he's like, we need to have this conversation about us. Like, what are we? And I loved how she's like, she's like, I only had one condition. I said, he's, you have a condition now. I nodded, my heart thundering. I don't want to pretend. I whispered, I'm Poppy and you're Castile and this is real. And I was like, 
finally, like we finally, we finally get there. And I was like, yes, like it was such a sweet moment when they talk about that and they're talking about each other and that they do want to choose each other. And they, she does, you know, they don't say it, but they do love each other and they want to be together and they want to be married. And it's just, it was such a, you know, ugh, this is real. And I was like, finally, they have time. Thank you. And I like that they, you know, have the gods bless their marriage and she gets that little swirl on her hand and all that kind of stuff that those are really subtle details that make the story all that much better. And I, I just liked that scene. And I like Karen's dad, Jasper, I think his actual name is Jasper. I really like him and you know how it's not Alistair that's in charge of the woven. It's him. And you kind of find that out here that he's the one that gets to make those decisions. And he's a really good character and he's very quick to trust Poppy and tell her, you know, you can always confide in me and takes on another kind of father figure-esque role. And I think that was really cute. And then we go into the battle and I didn't love that Poppy didn't get to be a part of it at the beginning. And they were like, no, you have to stay here. You're the, what they want. And we all know Poppy and she isn't going to do that. And she doesn't do that. And then the Duchess shows up. That whole head thing. I was like, that's, I, that was the one thing I actually saw coming. And then at that moment where Castile means business. Okay. And then he just literally jumps off the wall. I liked that this was where we get to really see Castile as the dark one too. You know, that the Duchess still thinks of him as the dark one and not the Prince of Atlantia who cares about his people. He comes in and changes his mask again and says, I'm not here to debate with you. I'm here to kill you. And that's all that we're going to have this conversation about. And the Duchess sort of drops these hints that uh, the blood queen, I forgot her name, but the blood queen is Poppy's grandma and she knows more than she's letting on. And, you know, she is also ascended and it's like, does Poppy have some ascension blood in her somewhere and what's going on with that and so I have a theory about that yeah I mean the theory is busted in the next one (laughs) (laughs) you find it all out in just one more book Um, (laughs) you know the duchess is trying to ingrain these small ideas of truth back in everything that Castile said and you know Castile's like I'm telling you the truth I told you the truth 100% I told you a little too late but Duchess is trying to come in here and say well wait hold on and try to say you know Castile is lying because we protected you we love you we're your family remember that we raised you we saved you from the craven and all that kind of stuff and so that's a really good moment where Poppy's kind of like yeah no (laughs) I'm coming for you she's like and then nope and she goes out there and just gets it and at this moment they're waiting for they're obviously fighting. There's not a lot of them there. They're severely outnumbered, um, but they're still fighting to, you know, protect what's theirs and everything. And they basically had sent the Wolven out to bring back any kind of army. There's this great moment where she's, they're fighting and she's like, wait, because she just, she feels all of the fear and all of the, the anger and everything coming off of these soldiers. And she's just like overwhelmed by it. And she's just like, wait. And then everyone just kind of stops. They're not... <laughs> don't know what to do and then in the next moment all these wolves just crash out of the forest and they're to the rescue and just this is an interesting part where it's another one of those easter eggs where they're like we heard you calling to us yeah and that's something that in the first book delano was like i heard you calling me and then jasper was like i heard you calling me and kieran and everyone was like we heard you calling. And so, and she has this, she's starting to really build this trust with the wolf. And, you know, when she saves Beckett, again, this development of her powers and the first time that she has actually healed someone, Beckett gets in this really bad accident prior in the, in the, in the story. And 
he basically his legs are mangled and he's he can't switch out of his woven form if he doesn't switch out of his woven form um his legs are going to heal too fast and he will be paralyzed and so there's this urgency this moment and she's like i just helped him she tried to ease his pain so that he could change into a human well she actually ended up saving him and literally fixing his legs and healing his legs and she's blowing moonlight and so now they're like i don't know who you are we're really not sure what you are like even more questions we have no idea who you are and her powers are continuing to, to develop and i don't know who is this girl is she like half woven half atlantean like yeah. she's like that was my theory got it all going on yeah i felt oh, that way too and I don't know. I was just like, mm, this is going to play a part sometime later on. And I wanted that. I wanted her to be like, I wanted that to come out at the end. I wanted to be like, oh, she's half woven. She's half Atlantean. And she's going to be the one that's like going to bring the kingdom together because they said they wanted Castile or Malik or both of them, I think, to marry a woven to kind of bring the clans together. And I really thought she was going to be a woven princess. But alas, we don't find that out. And she is not that at the end of this book. But that the fight seems good. I, mm, I'm i going to say it. The smut in here comes in some weird places. Because they get to the end of this battle, kills the Duchess, and then Castile's like, get in the carriage. Bow, chicka, wow, wow. That was awkward. I'm done. Sorry. That's all the singing you get from me this episode. You've got like dusty dead Duchess here. <laughs> just like, like, you know dusty what I mean? Like, yes. She just died. It was yeah. sad that she's all like in the middle of a battle. It's still going on. It, it was just a little... I understand it was very heat of the moment, but it was also like, that was awkward. And then she even says, like, as she gets out, she's like, yeah, that was, that was weird. That was really well, weird. Well, it's like, were you quiet? I don't know. These are just questions that I have. It was so uncomfortable. And it's like, guard the carriage. Mm, what? No, I don't know. <laughs> there was a couple of ones in here. I was like, ew, I don't love that. Also, when she like steps out, she's like, they all knew what just happened. Yeah. Oh, because there's people guarding the carriage, right? And he's, she's like, Yep, they all know exactly what just happened. It's like don't don't come a, don't come a knocking as the carriage is rocking, man. Yeah, like that's what I <laughs> I don't know. I love I love that this is a new adult. I let's not be real. I've read Hackasif, okay? That's very porn. I like I love the smut scenes. It's so good. This says a lot about who we are as people, just as like a fandom, not just me, not just Kirsten. Let's not let's call everybody out. We've got some issues. But that one was a weird scene. I'll take the hot spring spicy scene way before I'll take the carriage scene. Same, same. It's just like Castile's no tell motel. Like it was just like a not, it was just a weird moment. And so I was just like, okay, that was awkward. And then they just like go and help the wounded kind of transition into like, she goes and helps the wounded and everything is, is chilled out from that moment of, you know, everything that had happened there and that fight and everything that had gone on there. And so they wait like a day or two, you know, and then they go, they make the trip to Atlantia and they have to go through the mountain and through the mist. And, um, that was something that was kind of mentioned throughout. And they talk about, they're like, how did you guys get here so fast? Like the mist allowed you to like get here. And they're talking about like the resting places of the gods. And the reason why there's mist is because that's like the resting place of this goddess and all these things. And it's like, okay, this is kind of, kind of makes, again, we need a flow chart. Like who's who, where are they, where are they buried? What's yeah, like the beginning from blood and ash felt very game of Thrones to me. There was like carnage manipulation, politics, etc., vampires, whatever, <laughs> very game of Thrones to me. The second book, I felt like we were in some sort of like Greek retelling. This was like ancient Rome or like Italian retelling, like 
this the second one felt like gods and goddesses lore lots of like myths and magic and it felt like i was all of a sudden hercules you know what i mean so the second one kind of threw me for a loop i was like okay what's going on here who's a god what's happening <laughs> i was so confused yeah, same and i agree with that her dream oh that was so strange These dreams man the fact that there's so much emphasis and i understand why there's a bunch of emphasis on these dreams but it's like the whole hips thing there's just like 50 mentions of like her dreams well and i didn't like that each time there wasn't a lot added to it it was like one mm-hmm. or two things and then you get that one thing and you're like oh so there was someone else like singing a song in the background and then you don't hear about it ever again that's like the last reference in the book and it's oh creeps me out the, the dreams creep me out but i would like to say i don't that like song- literally sorry gives me nightmares like literally i was like that is terrifying and even castile's like that's that's creepy like he straight up is like that's terrifying yeah it's so weird and i didn't like that they never bring up this goddess again so she's about to like hop on off a cliff and the goddess like wakes up to like stop her which is again sort of precursor to you know who she is later on in the book and and how important poppy is and we knew that poppy was important so i get that but that was strange because you never hear about it again and she doesn't even hardly mention it to anybody she's like i saw a blonde girl she looked nice i was like okay and yeah she's like i saw this like pretty blonde lady stopped me so i didn't and she like doesn't even realize that she's like sleepwalking or whatever and they're like it's the mist that's like doing this or whatever it's playing with your mind and then you know they say you know don't wander off too far because you'll never be found obviously she almost walked off a freaking cliff and then you know kieran and castile like find her and they save her but also that the goddess wakes up and is like stop like you shall not pass like very like yeah, Gandalf moment like... and so she like this felt very beauty and the beast like don't go to the east wing and you're like what's in the east wing and they're like the edge of a cliff and i'm like oh damn hmm that was very anticlimactic I don't know. It's just kind of like, yeah. I just wanted it to be brought up again. Like she doesn't even have a conversation with, she has a conversation with Castile and Kyrian once. She's like, I saw this nice blonde chick. She was super fun. And that's it. They, it's never brought well, up And again. then the, the ground shakes and they're like, that's a God going back to their sleeping place. And I was just like, this sounds good. Okay. So we know she's a goddess. We know who, I, I, as soon as that lady popped up, I was like, that's the goddess that they're like, talking about in two pages earlier and so I was like okay this makes sense like she's important sure their marriage was blessed by the gods obviously she's important you know and then it was just I don't know I felt like all of this was very kind of a little bit last minute too like it was all like all the god stuff was like last 20 pages (laughs) like here we go yeah I think that was I'm just saying we're going to make it, but I need a damn flow chart. Cause I don't have a clue what's going on and who's who and what's what and who's related to whom. And I think that they explained it at the very beginning, but didn't, I didn't realize the gods were such a living like organism to them that they were so close to, you know, it feels like Castile and Kieran are very like many generations removed from this. And, you know, then you realize like, Oh wait, his mom was like, this is like second to a deity. Like her mom was a deity essentially. Right. Like so I don't know. I think the timing. She was married off. to a deity. Right, right. Like so it's like she's old. <laughs> the timing is a bit off for me. I get that Castile's really old, but they're not immortal. The Atlanteans are not immortal. So that was a bit weird. It's like, okay, so the gods were alive and then there were the deities. And this was like thousands of years ago. And then one of those deities like killed everybody else off and married an Atlantean or like made and then, then there's Castile. He made the first like, descendant. Yeah, he was like married know. to Castile's mom. And then he, King Malik 
created the first descended and then Alistair was his woven and then he told the queen and then they exiled him and then there was like this obviously divorce between the king and the queen and then the queen ends up marrying Castile's father and that's where Castile and Malik come from also yeah. the fact that you name your child Malik after your first husband is a little weird PSA for every author out there listening to this because I know there are so many of you kidding <laughs> Please stop naming characters with the same name. I understand the reference to this one because she is obviously heartbroken and there is a specific reason why, but there are many characters in these books that have the same letter of their name as another character. And I'm going to tell you, there are 26 letters in the alphabet. Pick a different one because I'm confused and I'm not emotionally invested enough to understand that there's a difference. Okay. I'm just letting you know, <laughs> but I don't know. I forgot what I was saying. Um, oh yeah. The timeline just feels really weird to me that like, yeah. All of that happens. She gets remarried and then it's Castile. And it's like, so Castile's like what two removed from three people removed from a God. It's like, that feels a little strange because they also yeah. say that the gods went to sleep like thousands of years ago. And it's like, we haven't seen them in years, but your, your great, great grandfather is a God or your great grandfather. Yeah. It's like, that seems close in relation. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Yeah. That was a bit weird to me. And I felt like the, the structure of their like faith essentially it wasn't really well laid out and you know that Atlantia is really old, but to me, Castile doesn't feel that old. And then you get to Atlantia yeah. and it's like, oh, it is real old, you know, and their culture and society is old. And so they're yeah. like trot a lot along through the mountains and then they get <laughs> to Atlantia. Right. Yeah. And Alistair has gone ahead to kind of chat with the King and the queen. And I was not sure how this was going to go because I felt like Alistair was going to turn them against Poppy very early on. And he was Same. spitting lies spitting lies and you know she goes off on her own and Beckett takes her to go see the cove and you know all the beautiful things in Atlantia and she feels some weird things from him and then we get to like the epic ending and Castile's like intense chat with my mom and dad and like kind of lessen the blow and see what Alistair said and I trust you to like wander off with this guy and all of a sudden these dirty old Atlanteans come (laughs) throwing rocks and it was very like um bible like yeah <laughs> bible it was very bible oh my god <laughs> like a biblical kirsten and i spent way too much time together <laughs> that's the word i was looking for it's okay yes it was very biblical with like i'm gonna stone you to death you dirty little slut and i was like damn like well, and that's what i'm saying like it was so strange it felt very ancient and i know that authors pull from oliver but it was nice it felt very ancient rome to the christianity and you know not accepting new things that were happening and believing that like miracles do okay miracles happen I lied I was gonna sing twice it just felt like miracles do happen <laughs> this is a nice Lizzie McGuire reference for you <laughs> but it felt like that you know where <laughs> they were sort of <laughs> I'm done I'm done it did felt very biblical and it felt a lot like ancient Rome into Christianity and it was a good reference she, she played it well and miracles yeah. do happen once in a while <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm literally crying right now. I'm laughing so hard. I can't. This, that this was episode funny. Is, this episode is great. Um, you, if you all do not appreciate all of these references, we can't be friends. Yeah, we're definitely. I'm right we're deep in the millennial generation. It is. It is seated in our lives. Yes. yes. Anywho. And so, um, anyways, so you know, it's this very kind of crazy moment, and it's also like she goes. She has a very Hulk moment. The switch flips and she's 
And then they realize who she is. It's so weird because they're like, you know, you tricked the prince and he married you because you tricked yeah, him and you're this and that, da, da 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 and you're dirty and you're ascended and all these terrible things. And then all of a sudden, she doesn't go insane, but she, the flip gets switched and, or the, yeah, right? The switch gets flipped. That's- I was thinking that in my head. I was like, is that right? What she just said? Wrong. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, anyway. that's right. Anywho. Anyways, the switch gets flipped and she is not, she's taking no prisoners and they're like, oh, we're so sorry. Oh my God. Like they're freaking out because they're like, oh, this, this is not who we thought it was. And she fruit ninjas their ass basically. Yeah. Like that part was so gross. I was like, wow. Okay. Just like spontaneous combustion. Ew. But this part was well detailed and you know, the blood tree grows and lightning comes and she glowing like the sun and or the moon sorry glowing like the moon and castile and the shows wolven up show. yeah the wolven show up castile shows up the queen shows up i also up. sorry i love i loved when castile like walks forward to like go to her and jasper's right there and he growls at him i love how the wolven are like like it's Castile, it's her husband. Like he's obviously not gonna hurt her. And he's like, What's going on here? But she's like glowing and all, and all these wolven are like chilling around here. And Castile tries to walk up and Jasper growls at him. And I was like, Okay. Yeah. I love this. Like, I'm here for this. It was very, it was very interesting. And then his mom gets all mad. And I'm like, he clearly had no idea who this person was. Why would you? I was very confused as to why his mom would be mad, that, especially because they're talking about how. They've ruled for so long and it's time for him to take over the throne and they need some new people on the throne to run the kingdom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And here it is. And then she's like mad about it. She's like, how could you bring her here? And I'm like, don't you like the gods? Yeah, that's where the timeline thing starts to confuse me because it's like, she clearly understands. And she says this, the last line of the book is, and bow before the last descendant of the most ancient ones. She carries the blood of the king of the gods within her. Bow before your new queen. Like that's the last line she says, but it's like, that kind of shows the timeline is weird. Like that she's so old that she would know that straight away. And she does like yell at him about it. And it's like, how would Castile have known? Like, how is he going to know? Nobody's going to know. We need to stop that. (laughs) But it's like, how would Castile have known that, that she was a deity and had the blood of the gods and stuff? Because he didn't experience that. Like he wasn't alive when the gods and the deities. So it's like, that's where the gap kind of got me where, you know, she's so quick to be like, how could you have done this? And it's like, how could he have not? He has no idea. You know, like that explanation was weird. And I, I was so confused because the queen's just like bows right after yelling at him. And I was like, what's going on here? Yeah. She's like, the change in kind of her attitude is weird. And then also the fact that the king has nothing to say. He's just like, I'm just going to walk into the temple here. And she's like, how could you? And she's like very angry. And it's like, okay, so we know who wears the pants in this relationship. Like we know who runs the kingdom. <laughs> that was kind of interesting that we didn't get that much from the king and queen. And I'm sure we will in the next book. But um, I, I kind of liked how this one ended with Poppy just being like, I am a badass. Bow to me. Yeah. That, and like, don't, don't call me a horn. Don't throw rocks at me. That's yeah, not and, my- like finally coming into her power and She's sorry about it, but I don't know. She's not that sorry. Sorry, not not sorry. sorry Yeah, that definitely, that's fair, very fair. So this book, I think, has some of the best quotes from both of these two. My favorite one from this was, he was both the villain and the hero, the monster and the monster slayer. That one's one of my favorites. And the one where it says, like, don't, let's not borrow tomorrow's problems for today. 
he has a lot of really good lines. Kieran has, Kieran, damn it. Kieran has a lot of good lines. What are some of your kind of like favorite quotes from this now that we've ended the book and that happened? One of my favorite quotes is actually one that they're talking about silence and it says silence. Ian would have said it was so silent he could hear a cricket sneeze. <laughs> I was just like, that's kind of funny. Things like that. They just had so many funny lines. And again, Kieran had some great lines in this book. Just so many just one-liners and his conversations with Poppy and their relationship starting to grow was also a lot of fun to see. And so what are your kind of final thoughts on the book? I really like this one. Again, I, this one I like better. So I would probably give this one probably like a 4.25 is what I would give it is a 4.25. I liked it better than um, From Blood and Ash. I, I loved Poppy coming into her power and actually just being the badass queen that she is and just, you know, finding that out and figuring that out and really coming into her own. I loved her development with Castile um, and, you know, their relationship and, you know, him doing everything in his power to make it up to her. Yeah, I really liked it. And I loved all the side characters. I mean, Kieran and Beckett and I, just all of them. They're, and Kieran's sister, Netta, I really loved her. I loved um, her and Poppy's kind of relationship, even in the short amount of time that it was there. I did kind of like some of the mystery, but I think it was a little heavy on the mystery aspect of who Poppy is and some of the, you know, her dreams and things like that. I feel like we learned a lot more about Castile this book than we did Poppy, which is fine. I mean, give me more Castile in my life. I I will not be mad about it. So, but that's my, that's my take 4.25 stars. What about you, Tatiana? I feel like same, mostly. Uh, This was my favorite book also of the series. This is my favorite book of the whole series so far. But I really liked the mythological aspect of it and sort of trans, you know, transitioning back into Atlantia and getting to see a whole different version of the world. And I liked the, you know, three big kind of epic fight scenes and the fact that Poppy, it really gets to make the decision for herself on whether or not to believe Castile. And there's so many things that happen in here that, you know, she gets to say, yeah, what he said is right. And she gets to make those decisions on her own. And it's not just taking his word for it. I loved their communication. I love that this is a little bit of a smuttier book. Um, I thought that was really good. I love Kieran. I, his character is so funny. I've said this a thousand times. So is Kirsten, but he's so good. The quirky lines, the dialogue in this is really good. I think I would have liked this to be a two point of view book though. I would have liked if it was half Castile and half Poppy because I think Poppy's internal monologue gets a little monotonous as we get on later in the book because she's just like, I don't know if I love Castile. I don't know if I trust him. I don't know if we're fake dating. Is any of this real? And she says that for like the whole middle section. This is another one of those ones where it's like 20% world building, 60% slow burn slash just like hanging out. And then like 20% epic, epic chaos, you know, and a lot of books are structured this way and I should have anticipated it, but it got a little monotonous in the middle, but I would say the same. I would give this one like a four and a half, 4.2 stars. I really like her writing style. I think that she does a really good job, you know, kind of building this character camaraderie. Everyone has a part and you can kind of feel their relationships build even in like short bursts and in a couple pages. And I really liked that. Even if we only see them like once or twice, you're like, oh, I do love Jasper and I do love, you know, Netta and you'll, you like her interactions with Beckett and all the things he does for her and, you know, kind of how she builds that relationship with him too. So I think that was great. Yeah, I I did love it. I will say JLA, if by some off chance you're listening to this, we would really like a diagram of who's who and um like a nice family tree, perhaps a family tree would be great. 
But just just throwing that out there, family tree would be wonderful. We got the map in a kingdom of flesh and fire, which was appreciated. Can we get a family tree now? Because we're a little confused um, on some of the people. So that's just our, that's just, you know, just a little request or an there index. Like reference guide in the front yeah. that tells you who's related to whom that'd and how great. that works. Yeah, that'd be that awesome. would be wonderful. But other than that, <laughs> thanks. That would be super de duper. Um, yep. We can kind of go into our obscure book recommendation of the week. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to do, if you haven't listened to any of our other episodes and you're just listening to this, bless you. Uh, <laughs> we are trying to do an obscure book recommendation of something you don't see on bookstagram as often, or, you know, it's just like an older book that we both love and appreciate. So I will let you go first. Yeah. So my obscure book, book recommendation this week is... Um, Paris for One and Other Stories by Jojo Moye. If you guys haven't gathered by now, I do love all things uh, Paris and France. The main story is about this girl who is supposed to go on this vacation with her boyfriend. He just like doesn't show up. And so she spends this vacation by herself. She meets someone else. And it's one of those books where she's figuring out, you know, I don't need him in my life. I'm, I'm better than this kind of a thing. And I loved it. It was such a great book. And I love, uh, Jojo Moye's writing style, her, the endings of her stories and her books are never, they lived happily ever after. It's always some kind of like, yes, it's a good ending, but it's also like you leave it on a note of it's kind of up to you. What do you, what do you think happened? So all, all of these stories kind of end on that. Um, there's a bunch of like little stories within here and I really liked it. It was just a fun read. It's not a, it's a, it's a short, quick read. So, um, if you're just in the mood for some little stories and um just a quick read i would highly suggest paris for one it's a good one person's only book recommendations are about french things. apparently i was like i need to expand my horizons <laughs> when she says she gets obsessed with something she ain't lying we both suffer from obsessive personalities okay. so <laughs> what's your obscure book recommendation this week Mine is called Rich and Pretty by Ruman Alman. I don't know how to say this person's name. So sorry. Rich and Pretty. This is her debut novel. It's kind of, it's set in New York. It's about two best friends, Sarah and Lauren, who are childhood best friends, grow up together and then sort of spread apart as their lives as they get older. So they're friends all the way through high school into college. Sarah is rich and Lauren is pretty. And it's kind of about how they navigate their friendships it's a fiction novel, but it's kind of how they navigate their friendships as adults and growing up. Um, and they're sort of envious of each other. It's very Firefly Lane. Um, you know, they're sort of envious of each other's lives and the things that they do and like, you know, all the stuff that happens to them. And it's kind of how, how they can stay friends through all of that. And if they can stay friends and if they are as close as they thought they were, I read this book a long, long time ago. So I actually don't remember what happens, but I really like the writing style and this is a good, it's same. It's a good, quick, easy read. And I remember really liking it. Random book read. That sounds, that sounds good though. It sounds like a fun read. Yeah, that's what I've got. Nice. What are we? So next week we're doing A Crown of Gilded Bones. Uh, and then after that, we have one bonus episode coming out. That was a really fun one. And that was a really fun one. <laughs> semi-interactive <laughs> and we'll do some polls and chat with you guys a little bit about it. And we'd like to do another one with kind of our audience reactions to that. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that one later down the road and then we are starting are you guys ready for it drum roll please throw glass yeah we are getting into sarah j mass i'm so excited i 
yeah, I haven't read any of her books yet. So <laughs> this is, this is going to be fun. I'm excited. This is really appropriate because the second Crescent City title just came out and it's like, oh, I just love the hype for SJM. And I was hoping this book, that book would have come out in November, but it didn't. So we're going to dive into Throne of Glass and kind of go through that. And then we'll do Akatar and then we'll do Crescent City in hype for when that next book comes out. And I am obsessed with Crescent City. I'm obsessed with Akatar. I have not read Throne of Glass all the way through. So Kirsten and I are going through this together yeah. in this journey. And I can't wait to cry because I have a feeling I'm even going to cry in these books. <laughs> Kirsten gets her dragons. There's magic. Oh, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm living for this. I'm so excited. I'm so, so very excited. So tune in if you want to hear a screech <laughs> Sarah J. Mass. So I'm very excited. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to enjoy it again. I try to avoid spoilers as much as I can, but it is very difficult being on, uh, you know, book talk and bookstagram. It is very difficult to avoid spoilers for any sort of Sarah J. Mass book. So yeah, I'm not hundred percent um, sure what happens. I do know a little bit because I have read Throne of Glass before and I've read Assassin's Blade, but I'm, I also try to avoid the spoilers. Like I, it's hard, but I am so ready for this. It's going to be so fun, but it is going to be like eight whole weeks of SJM. So we're going to do some, like we did, you know, our previous bonus episode, the bookish boyfriends once we're going to do a couple of other bonus ones in between. So it's not just all like fantasy. <laughs> Um, we have a special guest coming on in June. This is a lot of info. You're welcome. We have a special guest coming on in June. We're both very excited for that. And we have a couple other things that we're going to do and we're just like very ready for this. Yes. Yes. Very ready. So, I hope you guys are um, as excited as we are to finish out from blood and ash, um, this series, and then jump right into some Sarah J. Mass books and yeah, come along on that ride with us. That'll be fun. So, we thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We thank you so much for your support over the last few weeks. Um, it has been amazing. Tatiana and I, every time we start recording, it's just, we are amazed by all of the support and the love that we've gotten from, from everyone. And we just appreciate you all so much. And there are no words. So yeah, thank you so much. Wild. We- it really has. I, it feels like, it feels like it's been, it's been a long time, but it really, we've, you know, only we've been on this journey for a short time and um, so far it's been, yeah, so far it's been amazing. So thank you guys for the support and we love you all. Yeah. If you guys aren't following us, follow us on the Bookish Manager podcast on Instagram and TikTok. And Kirsten and I both have bookstagrams, which will be down below in the show notes. So you guys can take a look at that and follow us there. Also, if you guys could leave us a five-star review, that would be amazing. And tell your friends, that would be equally as amazing. Thank you. I'm done singing now, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) We love your singing, Tatiana. There's lots of singing and amazing <laughs> references in this in this episode so i love it I'm this is a deep dive it. into who we are as people thanks for <laughs> hanging out with us <laughs> thank you all we'll see you next week bye bye thank you for listening to the bookish banter podcast this week we would appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave a five-star review thank you once again and we'll see you all next week